showered down their blessings upon us through their commentaries culminating in Srila Prabhupada's divine literatures. I have my respectful obeisances to all the devotees who have gathered on this call today. Thank you for giving your lives to hear about Krishna and distribute the nectar to others. That makes you, according to the gopis and Sri Mati Radharani, the highest of all living entities. We're starting tonight uh, to look at the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. This chapter is called Dhyana Yoga. The first verse is like this. Shri Bhagavan Vaja Anashita Karma Palam Karyam Karma Karotiya Sasanyasi Cha Yogi Cha Na Niragnir Nachakriyaha Shri Bhagavan Vacha. The Lord said Anashita without taking shelter, karma palam, of the result of work, karyam, obligatory, karma, work, karoti, performs, ya, one who, sahi, sannyasi, in the renounced order, cha, also, yogi, mystic, cha, also, na, not, ni, without, agni, fire, na, nor, cha, also, Akriyaha, without duty. So anashita karma palam means not depending on action fruit. Karma palam means the action fruit. Karyam karma karotiya, the to be done ritual action he does. Who? Karyam karma karoti. To be done, karyam, karma, the ritual action, and karoti, he does, and ya means who? Sa sanyasi cha yogi cha. Sa, he, uh, sanyasi, a renouncer, cha, and yogi, a yogi. Na niragnir na chakriya. Na is not niragnir. Uh, <clears throat> without a consecrated fire, na niragnir, na, and without chakriyaha, without sacred rites. Translation, the personality of God had said, one who is unattached to the fruits of his work and who works as he is obligated is in the renounced order of life, and he is the true mystic, not he who lights no fire and performs no duty. Srila Prabhupada's purport. In this chapter, the Lord <laughs> explains that the process of the Eightfold Yoga system is a means to control the mind and senses. However, this is very difficult for people in general to perform, especially in the age of Kali. Although the Eightfold Yoga system is recommended in this chapter, the Lord emphasizes that the process of Karma Yoga, or acting in Krishna consciousness, is better. Everyone acts in this world to maintain his family and their paraphernalia, but no one is working without some self-interest, some personal gratification, be it concentrated or extended. 
this criterion of perfection is to act in Krishna consciousness. The criterion of perfection is to act in Krishna consciousness and not with a view to enjoying the fruits of work. To act in Krishna consciousness is the duty of every, every living entity because all are constitutionally parts and parcels of the Supreme. The parts of the body work for the satisfaction of the whole body. The limbs of the body do not act for self-satisfaction, but for the satisfaction of the complete whole. Similarly, the living entity who acts for satisfaction of the supreme whole and not for personal satisf satisfaction is the perfect sannyasi, the perfect yogi. The sannyasis sometimes artificially think that they have become liberated from all material duties, and therefore they cease to perform agnihotra yagyas, fire sacrifices, but actually they are self-interested because their goal is to become one with the impersonal Brahman. Such a desire is greater than any material desire, but it is not without self-interest. Similarly, the mystic yogi who practices the yoga system with half-open half eyes, ceasing all material activities, desires some satisfaction for his personal self. But a person acting in Krishna consciousness works for the satisfaction of the whole without self-interest. A Krishna conscious person has no desire for self-satisfaction. His criterion of success is the satisfaction of Krishna. And thus, he is the perfect sannyasi or perfect yogi. Lord Chaitanya, the highest perfectional symbol, perfectional symbol of renunciation, prays in this way, Nadhanam, Nadjanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam Bajagadishikamaye, Mamajanmani Janmanishvare Pavatad Puktirahaitukitwai. O Almighty Lord, I have no desire to accumulate wealth, nor to enjoy beautiful women, nor do I want any number of followers. What I want only is the causeless mercy of your devotional service in my life, birth after birth. The uh, translation again is, the Supreme Personality of God had said, one who is unattached to the fruits of his work and who works as he is obligated is in the renounced order of life and he is the true mystic, not he who lights no fire and performs no work. So th this chapter is about the process of eightfold yoga as a means to control the minds and senses. And it's uh, not so easy to do in this age because uh, people are born into a kind of uh, morass of the lower modes of material nature. And it uh, requires, does mystic yoga, uh, some diligent practice. In fact, in the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali, he mentions that if you want to make progress in yoga, you have to practice. And the, to the degree that you practice, uh, to that degree, you'll make advancement. And... Um, Prabhupada says, although this Eightfold Yoga system is recommended in this chapter, the Lord emphasizes that the process of karma yoga or acting Krishna consciousness is better. And um, the reason is that ultimately the perfectional uh, stage of yoga means to develop one's psychology in such a way that um, one understands first of all, the difference between the body and the self. 
and then understands the super spirit or Krishna and understands that my highest interest is in cooperating with Krishna and cooperating means serving. There is uh, quite a bit of discussion throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita about the mistaken identity of the living entity. Um, the mistake is thinking that uh, I'm related to matter. And uh, there are many different kinds of ways in which people become attached to the material nature. This can include even those who are uh, trying to achieve some kind of liberation and who go to extreme measures to try to um, emancipate themselves by freeing themselves from the bodily conception of life. And some of those people concentrate, they, they learn how to control the mind, they concentrate on different aspects of the material nature. However, they end up really becoming connected to those subtle uh, forms of matter in the material nature. And even though they attain some kind of temporary situation where they're no, no longer disturbed by the, by the mind because they're so concentrated on one aspect of material nature, that uh, sooner or later, the samskars, which are imprints on the uh, very fine uh, material nature of the mind, and there's always an imprint with every kind of sensual activity that we experience in this world, uh, that experience leaves a print. It's like a digital print or a little bit more sophisticated than digital prints, but it's there. And even after the sense it, it interaction is finished, there's a way in which the, the, the print stays there in the form of an impression called a samskar. And these, sub, these subtle impressions then uh, are late, stay there in a latent form, but they can at any time emerge and disturb the mind of a person. Uh, and, ex and an example given by the Acharyas quite frequently is Saubari Muni. Saubari Muni, uh, although he was, he was such an accomplished yogi, that uh, to show his power of renunciation, he went to the bottom of the, of the Jamuna and stayed there. And that's not such an easy thing to do. You have to learn how to breathe underwater somehow. And uh, extremely renounced. He stayed there for thousands of years. But because of a samskar that was there imprinted on his consciousness, his mind or chitta. At a particular point when he opened his eyes, he saw some fish mating and that samskar was reawakened. And that forced him to come out of the water. And then as, as everyone's read the story, he became a, a grahasta with lots and lots of wives and become really, became really entangled. Uh, so the uh, um, Srimad Bhagavatam mentions this Bhagavatam says, unless somebody um, 
Well, first of all, just the, the relevant part is that uh, there are people, many types of people attain some kind of a temporary liberation, a liberated state from the fluctuations of the mind. But because they haven't reached the ultimate goal, uh, they again are disturbed and they fall back down again. Patantiada means again they fall back down again. Where are they falling? Into, into samsara, uh, which is caused by the mind. As Krishna has already confirmed uh, in the, or is yet to confirm in the eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, yang yang vapi spanam bhavam te kalevaram. When you leave your body, uh, the impressions that you've developed in your mind uh, are going to carry you to your next body. Sarata bhava bhavita. So uh, sometimes these samskars make people fall down uh, into the very low a position of birth and death in the material world. So uh, Krishna is saying here, you have to get real. <laughs> you have to really understand what the essence of yoga is. And that is to be aligned uh, in your heart and soul with serving Krishna. And it doesn't mean that you try to detach yourself from all kinds of work, including doing sacrifices, lighting a fire uh, in ritual, but really means that you should use your senses in your work because we're accustomed to that anyway, but without um, self-desire. Use them in service to Krishna. And actually, it's a little-known fact, but the Bhagavatam tries to bring this out for the people of the world. But actually, that's how we become happy. It's counterintuitive to the materialistic mind, thinking that if there's nothing in it for me, why would I do it? Why would I act? And therefore, in both uh, subtle and gross ways, most people, living entities here in this material world, are working for themselves. But... The Vaishnav has discovered the real secret to life, and that is Krishna's the root. He's the center of everything. And he is Atmanam Akilatmanam. He's the soul of my soul. And when I satisfy him, then I naturally feel satisfied. And actually, Chaitanya Charnamrita points out uh, that uh, the devotees enjoy more than Krishna do, ultimately. They enjoy seeing Krishna enjoy. And in that enjoyment of serving Krishna selflessly and, and seeing him enjoy more and more, the devotees uh, achieve a kind of enjoyment that is unimaginable, 10,000 times greater than the way Krishna enjoys. So uh, there is Bhukti Mukti Siddhi. This is uh, Chaitanya Charnamrita mentions Bhukti Mukti Siddhi Kami Sakali Ashanta. The, the Vaishnavas are... Um, shanta, because they have uh, no desire except for to serve Krishna. But the bhuktis, those who want material enjoyment, muktis, those who want uh, to find uh, liberation from the material world, they're, they're tired of the harassment of the kind of constant uh, waves of material existence. So they want to get free from that so they can not carry the burden anymore by mukti, and that's a type of subtle material desire, or merging into the Lord, that's a, a really a perverted type of desire. 
and city, which means that once one begins practicing mystic yoga, there's a way in which uh, it is a heady experience because one starts to ex starts to see, oh, actually, I'm not my body, but I'm not only not my body, I'm not my mind, and I'm not my intelligence or false ego either. One begins to to notice these things, and in the uh, glow of the sattva guna uh, from within uh, that is reflected from one's purified buddhi, one enjoys uh, happiness. And um, then one begins to discover that uh, the soul is actually really powerful and can manipulate matter in various ways. And this can become a, a kind of preoccupation that is uh, also a very subtle material desire. So, bhukti mukti siddhi kami sakali ashanta krishna bhakti taiva ata eva shanta The Vaishnavas uh, don't have that. So, as I mentioned earlier, the Bhagavatam questions the validity of this uh, endeavor for happiness in the material world. Uh, Prahlad Maharaj in his prayers, for example, in the ninth chapter of the seventh canto says, Kutra Shrisha Shruti Sukham Rigatrishni Rupa. He asks the question, where is the happiness? Kutra, where is it? Kutra, Ashisha. There's some benediction here. Shruti uh, Sukham, he says, you don't actually get any happiness here. You only hear about it. Mrigatrishni <laughs> um, Rupa, it's a kind of mirage. It appears like there should be happiness, but there isn't. So um, Krishna's giving very uh, practical knowledge here. And that is that um, one should do one's work in the world, but in, in a dedicated fashion, do it out of devotion for Krishna and give the, the results of it up to Krishna. Don't be attached to the results. So that's the first verse. And uh, we'll just have some uh, reflections or uh, questions. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, then Lord Pranav. Uh, thank you for having a class. Uh, so, um, Mike, I have a question. Uh, with the sanskara, you, uh, you mentioned that uh, Sobhari Muni had to go through, even he was renounced uh, and he was performing. I guess uh, I don't know it's bhakti and I was thinking even with bhakti can sanskara be can be removed or can disappear or it comes back even with trust like doing bhakti can you please like, explain a little bit or talk about well what is your experience have you have you experienced that um, latent um, <clears throat> desires or impulses a pounce upon you while you're chanting japa or going about your life minding your own business and all of a sudden there's some latent desire or impulse possible some, yes sometimes it comes back and then it disturbs uh, <laughs> yes okay yeah well, it's but it did come back i'm sorry i said it, it it did reduce after chanting and you know applying process you know trying to do bhakti hmm. but before it used to come a lot but now it reduced a lot but it does come back uh, every sometime now and then sure 
So this there are many examples of this given in the Shastra. Another notable personality was Bharat Maharaj, who was performing a kind of bhakti. He was worshiping the Lord and he was chanting mantra and uh, praying and so forth. But at the last moment, um, not the last, uh, he remembered a deer and fell down into the body of a deer. So it is possible. And we find others who have performed devotional service, Prabhupada Saraswati had started off devotional service and then he became attracted to a woman. And of course, you know, he became the topmost of all Paramahamsas, but we hear about these examples throughout the, uh, the, the Shastras. There's a difference, however, because the kind of endeavor for uh, perfection or reducing the, the latent um, impressions within the, in, within the psyche, when, it, when, it's, when, it, when done by one's own endeavor, in other words, if one tries through the rigorous practice, for instance, of Ashtanga Yoga, to overcome these latent desires, then there's every opportunity for them to come back and, uh, and, dry, and wash one away. In fact, uh, the Bhagavatam mentions that the... Um, the, yogi, uh, the yogis or those who endeavor to, by doing that process are, are washed away eventually, but those who are, are bhaktis, rikta matayo matayo pirudha shrotoganas tamaranam bhajabhasudevam, those who are engaged in devotional service. Uh, what's the verse, Kautakarnika? Are you looking it up? Yet pada pankaja palasa. Yeah, thank you. Yet pada pankaja palasa vilasa bhaktya karmashrayam gratitam utkartayam tisanta tadmana rikta matayo yatayo pirudha shotoganas tamaranam bhajabhasudeva. Yes, Prabhupada. This verse mentions that the devotees uh, are, first of all, they're depending on Krishna. That's a given because that's what bhakti means. And then because they're enjoying a higher kind of pleasure. <clears throat> They're enjoying the, the beauty of Krishna's uh, qualities. As here is mentioned poetically, that the tips of the toes of his lotus feet are very beautiful. His toes are, are like uh, lotus buds. And then he has his uh, lila. And when we hear about these things, it's actually charming and attractive. So it attracts the mind. And such a person, yet pada pankacha palasa vilasa bhaktya, so such a person can actually cut the knot of uh, material desires, which means that those latent uh, impressions can be uh, destroyed. Uh, however, riktamatayo means somebody who's empty-headed. They don't have uh, Krishna in their minds. And Krishna's uh, beautiful, and the form of the Lord is beautiful, and it's necessary uh, ultimately for success for one to be able to meditate on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Whatever meditation, even in the Yoga Sutras, when you get to Sutra, uh, first chapter, 20th verse, it says, uh, Ishvara Pranidhan, that if you want to uh, bypass a lot of the rigorous types of practice uh, from Ashtanga Yoga, 
then pranidan, uh, put your head in supplication before <coughs> Ishvara and surrender to God. And the, the commentators, especially Vaishnava commentators and others <coughs> have pointed out here in the, in the Yoga Sutras, which relates to the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, that by doing that, one bypasses the, the very difficult stages of uh, practicing Ashtanga by the grace of the Supreme Personality of God. And this is an important point. There's, <clears throat> there's the monkey and the, and the kitten. So a baby monkey, if you see in Vrindavan, the baby monkey has to hold on to the mother for dear life. As uh, you'll see it wrapped around the, the belly, holding on, the mother monkeys jumping from tree to tree <clears throat> has to hold on. Sometimes they fall off. I've seen it just walking along on park chrome, all of a sudden a little monkey drops out of the tree. Um, where there's the cat, the little kitten <clears throat> just sits there and the mother comes and picks up the cat by the scruff of the neck with her teeth and carries it to safety. So the devotees, they're picked up by the Supreme Personality of God because they're only depending on him, whereas the others can fall. So where's this uh, also mentioned uh, in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam? Sapada mulam bhajata priyasya taktanya bhavasa hare priyashaha. Vikarma yachchot katitankatan chintunoti sarvam vishtaha. There's a way in which the Bhagavatam describes that even if one's performing bhakti, or as one's performing bhakti, one might uh, come across somehow or other, and this means coming from these uh, latent samskars, some <clears throat> aberrant material desire might arise and might knock one off the path. That's what vikarma means. Vikarma yachchotpatitam katanchit, somehow or other. However, uh, the, the um, rectification means just go on doing uh, uh, your practice of bhakti because you're depending on Krishna you're very dear to him that's what the verse says it says Swapada mulam bhajata priyasya you're dear to Krishna because you're, you're, you're surrendering to him in bhakti and therefore he will rectify the situation whereas the yogis and others who are taking it upon themselves to ascend to a higher position they're depending on their own prowess and their own uh, rigorous practice. Not that devotees aren't rigorous in their practice, but ultimately they're protected by Krishna. That's why um, in bhakti, yes, there are obviously latent um, desires, these samskars, and they, they will re-manifest throughout various uh, uh, aspects of our practice until we come to see Krishna face to face. A no more material body, um, but um, they can be overcome by Krishna's mercy. Another question or comment? Thank you, Hare Krishna, Maguru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare, there are some on Facebook. Um, okay. So um, there's this question from Krishna Das Prabhu, and he says that it seems like Sabari Muni was able to withstand the influence of his samskaras till he offended Garuda. So could you elaborate on how our determination or our desires are affected, affected by Aparat? Yeah, that's mentioned in the Bhagavatam. <laughs> if you offend devotees, then you're, you're, uh, 
devotional prowess, your opulence, everything will be diminished. And then you'll have to experience the bitterness of falling down. So don't offend devotees. Mahaprabhu said this also, when he gave the metaphor of the gardener, he said that the, our bhakti is uh, in the form of a creeper and the seed gets planted and then the creeper grows. But when it's there as a creeper and you offend devotees, then what happens is that the mad elephant comes in your garden and tramples the creeper and breaks it. So don't, uh, don't offend devotees. What other things do we have? Thank you to Dia Seva for putting up Supada Mulam Bajata Priyasya. Uh, any other uh, reflections or questions? Or, or Sri Prabhu, you want to make a comment? No, probably. Okay. What was that, Shraddha? You had something else? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, there was a comment from uh, Bhaktin Sumati. She really likes the monkey and the kitten analogy that you gave. I know, you do like cats. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Bhakti Lata, Bhakti Lata Mataji from the East, she is asking this question that till the fruit of love of Godhead comes, do we not feel any real love for Krishna at all during the process? The, uh, <clears throat> there's a, a way in which the, the steps, the stages of devotional service are described in a linear fashion. Means that it starts with faith, and then there's sadhusanga, association with devotees, and then there's a way that one takes up the practice, and then there's a nartanivriti. One has to deal with, with these um, impressions that have accumulated within the mind and heart for so many years and, uh, and uh, overcome them. And then there's uh, ruchi, and then one becomes, uh, uh, excuse me, then there's Nishta, and then Ruchi, then Bhava, and then Prema. However, our, the Acharyas mentioned that at any time one can experience um, one of the other um, advanced stages. An example is uh, Narada Muni. Narada Muni was just a, a neophyte in the practice of uh, Bhakti, and uh, he had a received association from sadhus and uh, he was practicing and then he had an, uh, an unusually advanced um, experience uh, the topmost perfection where he was actually seeing Krishna experiencing Krishna through all his senses and then that uh, experience was short-lived and it was Krishna's arrangement who spoke to him in an unembodied voice and said, you're not ready for this yet. So that's proof that a person can experience uh, that which is beyond just uh, one's particular stage of practice by Krishna's arrangement. Or as the Nectar Devotion points out, by the association of very advanced devotees. Very advanced devotees uh, have a kind of uh, influence on us that's described there by Rupa Goswami to be like the moonshine. Their hearts are so um, saturated with the love of God and they, they have such a powerful charisma. Actually, the word charisma is like karishna. It, it means godly character, actually, charisma. And um, that uh, charisma, that spiritual potency, charisma, you can look it up and see the etymology, is, is so powerful that it, it shines onto us and we get this kind of attachment to Krishna prematurely. 
because of their association. Of course, uh, you know, the association of, it's well known that we're products of our association in any realm, but in the spiritual realm, it's very profound, especially in bhakti. Of course, that can wane also uh, when that person goes away or, or if we offend the person or something like that, that can also um, diminish the, the effect. But yes, uh, the, one can experience uh, higher levels uh, before one's fully situated or has fully earned those <laughs> or achieved that, that particular level. Uh, did, did somebody look it up? Yes, Maharaj Karishma. Charisma. So it says that it's a compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. And uh, there you go. And uh, they are saying the plural, they're saying uh, it's a divinely conferred power or talent. Mm -hmm. And then origin is we are the ecclesiastical Latin from Greek charisma and from charis, which means favor or grace. Ari Karishma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no wonder. Any other uh, uh, points that anybody wants to make, or shall I move on to verse number two? Guru Maharaj. Like yes. Hare Krishna. Nice to hear your voice. Yes, Maharaj. I was uh, particularly appreciating how, when we work uh, uh, for Krishna, right, without self-interest, uh, it definitely. Uh, as the purport says, as you explained, it helps purify our uh, desires and it helps us get rid of samskaras. But even from a material mundane point of view, I thought um, uh, there is so much improvement in the quality of the work that is generated. Um, in this corporate world, there is a lot of focus on delivering high quality work. And uh, people usually think that the more you focus on, uh, the, I mean, the, the work itself, it will somehow translate into higher quality. But this verse actually explains uh, the art of work. And it is evident in the temples of South India that actually there are some very intricate, beautiful carvings, some 80 or 100 feet above the ground. No one would even notice those, but yet the sculptor actually produced that fine quality work because he, I think he thought that that is his offering for the Lord and not for some remuneration. Right. So I thought this verse is so wonderful in that aspect that it helps us ensure a very high quality output as well. Yes. Nice point. Um when one actually has a sense that I'm doing this for Krishna, that, that Krishna's um, very observant. He's, in fact, he's the, the only one who can be fully observant of what we're doing. <laughs> so it doesn't matter where we are, that uh, sense remains that Krishna is watching and a person would be more consistent in, their, in the expertise in their work because of that awareness of Krishna. So it's the high level of doing work and it's the means for actually working oneself out of the material world by dedicating everything, whatever one's doing to Krishna. But to speak of the fact that it's, it's um, extremely satisfying. 
Okay, thank you, Vaikuntavaika Prabhu. And I like the analogy of the high up carvings that no one else would actually see. This is uh, verse number two from sixth chapter. We're going to uh, 8.30, is that correct, Shrana? Yes, Maharaj. Okay. Text number two. I'm just beginning to share the screen. Okay. Yang sanya samiti prahur yogam tam vidi pandava na yasan yasya sankalpo yogi pavati kashjana. Okay, prahur means um, they say. So this is something in English we hear a lot of times that uh, we say kind of in a generic way, they say this or they say that. The studies show people say that, uh, you know, they're more, um, uh, men get the coronavirus than women or whatever. Um, anyway, so just sort of generic, they say. It's interesting, Krishna's saying it. They say, prahu, yogam, linking with the supreme, tum, that. Vidhi, you must know, Pandava, or son of Pandu, na, never he, certainly, a son yesta, without giving up, son kalpa, desire for sense, sense satisfaction, self-satisfaction, son kalpa. Yogi, a mystic transcendentalist, bhavati becomes kushchana. What is called renunciation, you should know to be the same as yoga, or linking oneself with the Supreme, O Son of Pandu. For one can never become a yogi unless he renounces the desire for sense gratification. Purport, real sannyas yoga or bhakti means that one should know his constitutional position as the living entity and act accordingly. The living entity has no separate independent identity. He is the marginal energy of the Supreme. When he is entrapped by material energy, he is conditioned. And when he is Krishna conscious or aware of his spiritual energy, then he is in his real natural state of life. Therefore, when one is in complete knowledge, one ceases all material sense gratification or renounces all kinds of sense gratificatory activities. This is practiced by the yogis who restrain the senses from material attachment. But a person in Krishna consciousness has no opportunity to engage his senses in anything which is not for the purpose of Krishna. Therefore, Krishna, conscious person, is simultaneously a sannyasi and a yogi. The purpose of knowledge and of restraining the senses as prescribed in the jnana and yoga processes is automatically served in Krishna consciousness. If one is unable to give up the activities of his selfish nature, then jnana and yoga are of no avail. The real aim is for a living entity to give up all selfish satisfaction and to be prepared to satisfy the Supreme. A Krishna conscious person has no desire for any kind of self-enjoyment. He is always engaged for the enjoyment of the Supreme. One who has no information of the Supreme must therefore be engaged in self-satisfaction because no one can stand on the platform of inactivity. All purposes are perfectly served by the practice of Krishna consciousness. This uh, word sannyas, actually, there are different ways of um, looking at the, ver uh, the word, but sannyasa, uh, anyas, nyas means where you place something. Uh, 
<clears throat> properly. Sanyasa means that you know how to place all things in their proper uh, order, apply them correctly. Like a, when you put on tilak, it's a nyasa. You put it on in different <laughs> locations on your body, starting here, Keshavaya Namaha, Narayanaya Namaha, Om Madhavaya Namaha, Om Gobindaya Namaha, Vishnavaya Namaha, etc. And uh, similarly, a person who is uh, aware of the fact that Krishna is the supreme controller, owner of everything, Ishavasamidam Sarvam, Yatkincha Jagatyam Jagat, you know everything belongs to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and um, you place everything in his uh, service. This is real um, sannyas, a real renunciation. And um, although there is a way in which uh, in the jnana, and yoga systems, one has to be meticulous about uh, controlling the senses. Prabhupada points out here that's automatic for devotees because they're um, engaging in sensual activities, but they're doing it for Krishna. And therefore, they're feeling a kind of satisfaction because they're placing the items where they should be whereas the others may still have some selfish desire as they're performing the activities or even as they're performing renunciation, as we mentioned before. So Krishna is saying, what is called renunciation, you should know it'd be the same as yoga or linking oneself with the Supreme, meaning that, that real renunciation means uh, engaging the senses in Krishna's service. They become purified in that way also. Sarvo padivanir muktam tatpratvena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhaktir uchade. When you engage your senses in the service of rishikesh, then the senses become purified. And um, this dedication of the senses to the service of rishikesh is known as bhakti. That's the process. So sensual restraint, it's not so easy, Krishna points out earlier in the second chapter of the Gita. We can all, well, some of you can probably relate to this. Vishaya vini vartante nirahara rasavarjam rasopyasya param drishva nivartate. So Krishna says, when you restrain your senses from sense objects, then uh, your mind still remembers them. It's not like... Uh, you know, when you fast, that you know, just of course, when you practice fasting for some time, then you do forget about food. But the stomach and the tongue are very powerful; they do remind us, don't they? They come back and say, "I thought, I thought this was nine o'clock. Don't we have breakfast now?" And so forth. And and the taste, Krishna says, for sense objects remains even when the yogi uh, removes him or herself from the sense objects. The taste for it remains. And so at any time, they can snap back. In fact, uh, very interesting discussions Krishna has with Uddhava about this point of yogis who try to restrain their senses, for instance, by fasting. And this is a point made in the 11th canto also, that until you control the tongue, you actually haven't controlled the senses. If you've controlled the tongue, Krishna says to Uddhava, then you know you've controlled all the other senses. 
And you could you could say I control this sense, I control that sense, but the tongue, if the tongue's not controlled, the other ones aren't either. Another uh, verse, of course, is the Tashi Krishna Nama Adi, Nama Ved Graim Indriye, Seva Mukhi Jivado Swayameva Spuratyada. Another voice point point verse pointing out that the the tongue is the gateway sense to all the others. If you control that, then you can control everything. Uh, then Krishna goes on to say, sometimes yogis restrain their tongues by fasting for long periods of time, but then when they stop fasting, the tongue demands twice as much, three times as much. You're paying me back now. <laughs> Senses are very difficult to control. So they come back. They come back for us. And so this is uh, the, the spirit of this verse. Although the, the embodied soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment, the taste remains. But uh, when he gets the higher taste, param drishvanivartate, then he can cease uh, the lower uh, attachments. And it becomes uh, a foregone conclusion. This is brought up in the Bhagavatam uh, as well. The, and that is that Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janaya Yashuvairagnam Jnanam Chayarahaitukam. That by performing devotional service, one uh, develops knowledge and detachment from the world. These are concomitants. Let's hear the uh, translation and etymology of concomitant. It's a, it's a really nice uh, concept, especially related to this verse and others like it. Somebody, please. Concomitant. is naturally accompanying or associated with something. Naturally accompanying or, or associated with something. So what's naturally accompanying uh, the performance of bhakti is a knowledge and detachment. It comes automatically. And then uh, give the etymology. Is there more? Yeah, so it comes from Latin concomitant, which means accompanying, from, con, from concomitary, which is con, which means together or with, and yeah. commentary from Latin comes as a companion. Yeah, there you go. Well, this is a accompanying, these, uh, this is a poetically rendered by Prabodhanath Saraswati, Bhaktis Twai Stirataya Bhagavan Yadi Syad. He says, he, he's describing how Bhakti, Bhaktis Twaya, that, that when you perform Bhakti, he says that uh, uh, when I uh, perform bhakti, then uh, liberation stands at my door. It's out there. How can I serve you? <laughs> I'm ready for you anytime. And uh, similarly, uh, dharma, artakama, moksha, all the desirable elements uh, that human human beings are, may be interested in, all available for the, those who perform uh, a devotional service. What to speak of the the otherworldly quality of being able to actually control your senses? I mean, it's unheard of. Uh, you know, I've seen uh, like great celebrities. Even I saw George Harrison, an interview with him. And, you know, he was, you know, he was, he was a, a nice person. And, you know, he connected with devotional service and with Prabhupada and sang some songs. 
And, and then he was talking about how, you know, people shouldn't take drugs. And he said, well, I should, you know, I should preach to myself because <laughs> he said, I'm not perfect in that. So I can't really, you know, tell other people as strongly as I wish I could. Uh, I mean, and, and you look at yogis, we already mentioned, it, it's not uh, uncommon for people to speak about it, but not be able to actually do it. But a common person who practices bhakti and surrenders to Krishna through the process of bhakti yoga can actually do it. Uh, we've seen it before. Of course, it's not easy, and there may be an artanivriti where somebody then runs into a rough patch here or there, but that has to rectify him or herself. But there, there will be a time that that person, by performing devotional service, will come to nishta, and they'll be able, as Prabhupada said, to stand on their own two feet. And so this is not common. Nobody can do that. Uh, but if you perform bhakti, if you're a simple person, you may be an uneducated person. Uh, <clears throat> you know, but still, if you perform if sincere practice of bhakti and just try to work for Krishna the best, the best you can, then you're going to naturally uh, develop these qualities of uh, Jnana and Vairagya, you'll become full of knowledge. Knowledge really means to understand what is what. <laughs> you understand that uh, some basic things that most people don't know. One is, this world isn't my home. Second, I'm not my body. Um, <laughs> that These are commonsensical, but even PhDs, or maybe even especially PhDs, don't know these things oftentimes because uh, their knowledge is stolen. A Aprahita jnana, and um, a simple bhakta knows these things. Therefore, Krishna is saying here, what is called renunciation, you should, be no, should, you should know to be the same as yoga or linking oneself with the Supreme. And uh, the test is, as Krishna goes on to say, O son of Pandu, for one can never become a yogi unless he renounces the desire for sense gratification. So um, you can restrain the senses, you can do all kinds of things, you can fast, you can go underwater, but until you renounce the desire for sense gratification because you actually decide, uh, I, I like serving Krishna better. I like devotees, I think they're the, the, uh, you know, the coolest people who ever lived. Like Bhaktivinoda Thakur, I have this poster on my wall here, I've had it since we started the monthly Sanctum festivals in 2007. And I look at this every day. I mean, there's nobody cooler than Bhaktivinoda Thakur or Prabhupada or Srila Bhakti Siddhartha who's right behind me. And, and if you, if one becomes attached to, uh, to Vaishnavas who have these powers and just holds on to them, then um, practically success is guaranteed so um now we'll take some reflections or questions i was just going to say that bhaktivinoda thakur is charismatic yeah vaishnavas bhaktivinoda thakur they're they're actually charismatic and um because they're divinely empowered that's what the word means and um there's no replacement for that when there's a a pinch of of self-desire, even if somebody's very eloquent or very renounced, it's still the effect. The effect isn't the same. But if somebody has a tr have truly decided in their heart that I'm I'm doing this, I'm surrendering to Krishna, 
Vaishnavs are for me, Krishna's for me, Krishna's the best, he's the only, uh, you know, these type of people, they actually, you know, become filled with, with uh, renunciation, detachment, knowledge, and uh, they start looking attractive themselves. People get attracted to them. Like, where'd you get that? Even uh, Hirani Kashipu wanted to know that because he did every austerity in the world better than anybody's ever done it or ever will do it. He just flat out was the most austere person who ever lived. And then, you know, he attained mystic yogis, yeah, mystic powers, and everyone had to bow down to him except for his son. And now Hirani Kashipu is asking him, like, where are you getting this from? <laughs> how do you get, how did you get fearlessness? You're not afraid of me. Th that, he couldn't understand it. This is, uh, he said, Kimbala, where'd you get this power? So the devotees, they developed this power from Krishna. Yes, other uh, re uh, reflections or questions, please. There are two on Facebook that uh, Madhav Prem Prabhu and Padmakumari, they are mining it. So should I go ahead? Yeah. The first one, thank you, Maharaj. The first one is from Ankush Kumar Singhal. And he's asking that how does a devotee engage himself in devotional service and at the same time control mind, intelligence, and ego, as Bhagavatam tells us. And uh, his, his uh, sorry, his um, initiated name is Ajay Nitai Das. I missed that. Jai, Jai Nitai Prabhu. So, uh, yeah. It does require that uh, we perform the activities of devotional service like Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasim, Sakham, Atmani, Vedanam. And let's just say uh, we're going to engage in hearing. So although the fact, uh, you know, we mentioned this point that there are, there are concomitants that one develops this kind of uh, knowledge and detachment from doing the devotional service, well, you do have to do it. So it's, an important, it's important to muster the kind of um, willpower to follow the process of bhakti. That's why Rupa Goswami mentions utsaha nischaya dharya tat karma pavartana sangatyaga sutovrite shadbir bhakti prasidyati. He doesn't say, you know, uh, it'll just happen automatically you sleep and eat and somebody else will walk in your room and read the Bhagavatam to you. Of course, you know, that would be nice. But um, the fact is you have to try for it. You do have to control your senses in bhakti also uh, so that you can uh, do the activities. And when you do that properly, then naturally you'll start to develop a taste for them. And you do have to struggle also. Anartha Nivriti means there are obstacles to overcome, so you have to be determined and, uh, and you have to be uh, persistent. Rutsahan nischayat dharyat, nischayat dharyat. You have to be determined, you have to be patient, and go on with your practice of bhakti. So um, we are yogis. It's not that we're not yogis, it's that we just have a slightly different idea. Even uh, as I mentioned before, and it's worth mentioning again, in his uh, treatise, the Yoga Sutras, which is uh, really about, it's more about practice than it is about philosophy, the Yoga Sutras, but he gives some philosophy of, of psychology, the psychology of yoga and how our minds work. And uh, 
there's a rigorous process to control the mind. It starts with yam and then niyam. And that means that you, say, you have to be uh, honest. You can't lie. You have to uh, not cheat. You can't steal. Uh, then there's ways in which you have, to, you have to practice controlling and regulating the senses. You have to be celibate to practice yoga. You also have to um, you know, not eat too much, not eat too little, and so forth. And then you have to um, practice uh, meditation. You have to do asana and, and so forth. Pratyahara, you have to uh, pull back the senses from their objects and this and that. Later on, he says, does uh, potentially that uh, that Ishvara uh, Pranidhan, if you're if you if you focus your your attention on God on Ishvara and take His grace, then it's a lot easier. You, uh, it expedites the system, so you can control the senses. So we do get help, obviously, from Krishna, and it is a concomitant, but we do have to try for it. So it means live in good association and, and have good guidance, and don't give up and keep practicing devotional service. In uh, chanting japa, for instance, we should uh, learn to control our minds, because uh, that's very valuable. If you chant and you uh, think of other things, like the mind at a certain level just has chatter going on. And if you're chanting and you're listening to chatter at the same time, then you really um, aren't getting the full benefit of the chanting. So why not um, control your mind and at least do uh, 10 mantras every day where you fully uh, focus? That could be done, or even two. Uh, you have to start somewhere and, and apply. Apply yourself to the process of bhakti. Okay, what else? Maharaj, Go ahead. Who did? Um, this is Tadiya Maharaj. Hi. Um, Go ahead. We are talking about yogis. When talking about yogis, like outside the Vaishnavas sampradaya, uh, like example, uh, Nagababas or um, Shankara, Shankarites who follow strict um, yoga process like you know they are celibate and uh, you know they are doing their um, yoga very seriously what would be the fate of these yogis after death before death do they get it really depends on what they're focused on in the gita krishna says yanti deva Bhata devan pitran yanti pratirabhata utani yanti bhuteja yanti mam yajinopi mam he says you you can go wherever you like. Yanti Deva, if you like the Devas, you can go to them. Pitrin Yanti Pratirbhata. If you like, uh, if you're attached to the forefathers, and some people, it's beyond me, but somehow or other they are, and they go to the Petri, Petri Loka, otherwise known as the planet of the trees. And um, there's... Uh, Peter Nyanti Pratirbhata, Bhutani Anti Bhutija. Some people are attracted to ghostly kind of things. In fact, Patanjali talks about this. There's some people, they're very advanced kinds of souls who are even unembodied, but they become merged in Prakriti. And it's a very subtle matter. You'll see this in the Brihat Bhagavatamrita also, that uh, when Gopa Kumar is investigating or he's being you know, drawn by his mantra to various places in the universes, he goes through the various coverings of the universe. And uh, it's not that 
you know, these are covered by earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. And each one's 10 times thicker than the last one. That's very thick. And um, it's not that, that, you know, there's a big chunk of earth there and then water and so forth. These are the, the subtle um, elements be, behind the elements. And uh, there's a kind of um, enchanting, there's, there's an enchantment to be had in each one of those realms. And he, he investigates those. And in each place, it actually, you know, one can be caught there and say, oh, this is very attractive. So, you know, I don't know Nagababas personally. Uh, I don't know what they're thinking of. But Krishna does. That's why in the Sri Shapanishad, the devotee says, Krishna, you know what I'm, you, you know that I only wanted to serve you. That's all that's left at the end when the senses and the mind give up. We have only our pure intention or whatever, hopefully, you know, whatever that was that we served Krishna in a particular way, that's what the remainder is. So, you know, if somebody has a particular ambition, material nature is so subtle, it picks it right up. Even Bharat Maharaj, he became a deer, you know, and that was Krishna's arrangement because in the next life, he remembered he was a deer and he thought, wow, did I blow it? And then when he became Judd Bharat, he was so determined that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't interact with the world at all. He understood this place is really dangerous. I'm not getting involved anymore. And uh, he went through as a Paramahamsa. So uh, it's, it's very sticky. So we don't know about Nagababas, where they're going and so forth. You could try distributing books to them and find out. What else? Uh, let's have one more question or a reflection. Hare Krishna. Who's uh, that? Uh, this is Anirudhan Tejadas. Oh, yes, it is. Good to see you. <laughs> you too. Uh, so, Prabhu, I had a question regarding Japa. So, uh, when we do Japa circle, I've seen it's easier to concentrate and there is a nice uh, vibe and also you read certain uh, shlokas to make us more uh, attentive or enthusiastic. Uh, but I've seen Prabhu when uh, doing Japa alone at home, uh, you know, it's not the same or that easy to be attentive or uh, to focus. So, uh, would you like give any practical tip on like how to be similarly attentive uh, in Japa uh, chanting at home, like in Japa Sato? Sure. Well, all this goes to controlling the mind. One of the aspects of controlling the mind that's very important to uh, perform every day is is called Swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means the study of uh, the nature of one's higher self by reading the scriptures. So you have to make a deep study of who you are and uh, what your mind stuff is and things like that. Because if we're engaged in, uh, it, it, the mind gets affected by rajas and tamas. When we sit down to chant japa and those uh, waves of rajas and, and tamas are there, or what they're called by Patanjali is rittis. Ritti means something that's turning and it keeps turning and turning he mentions that there are, um, these are called um, <clears throat> uh, klishta. There's klishta and aklishta. It comes from the root word klesha, which means miseries. 
So these klishtas, these are like um, impressions. Uh, well, actually, klishta and aklishta means there's some vrittis or impressions that go into our mind that are beneficial. They're in sattvagun or they're transcendental. And there's other ones that are, um, there's klishta, which are detrimental. They disturb our minds. And they're, they're from rajas and tamas. And then there's aklishta, which means that they, they have a, a good effect on our mind. And uh, the acharyas there say that even if there's a river of klishta or detrimental uh, impressions going through your mental system, but you introduce even a little bit of aklishta, uh, this satvaguna quality, said there's great effect. And after it accumulates in some time, then and more and more practice, then uh, You'll, you'll be able to have the power of, of chanting with, with focus. So one of the, the points is Swadhyaya, uh, study carefully uh, through the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita and el elsewhere in Vaishnav literatures, uh, what is the nature of yourself, your relationship to Krishna. These, uh, these scriptures re reorder your mind. So that's why it's important to read every day. You have to study it very carefully. So that's one thing. And sometimes it helps too if you do a little bit of that before you start chanting. So don't just jump down, you know, uh, grab your bag. Uh, you're still, you know, you just watch CNN, how many, you know, cases or uh, whatever going on in the world. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, center yourself. This is yoga. We have to perform yoga properly. And, um, and um, also, when we're chanting, at least a portion, some of it, you know, the mind may reject because you say like, I'm gonna chant 16 focused rounds and the mind may come back and then says, uh, no thanks, I don't think so. But if you, if you give it something, you know, ridiculously small that you could, where the mind says, anybody could do that, you know, what do you think I am? Uh, and, you, and you say 10 mantras with full focus. 10 mantras, sit down, don't move, straighten your spine and uh, center yourself, pray and think of every syllable and remember what it means. You know, the, the holy name is an avatar. When the avatar descends, then the, uh, the idea of an avatar is an avatar descends from Turiya, from the fourth level, beyond the fourth dimension, beyond any dimension we can understand and comes down into our dimension and then takes us by the hand up into the higher dimension. The, the, the avatar makes a channel for us to go up. Remember that the holy name is that avatar. And then pray to the holy name. Remember uh, who you're dealing with there. You're dealing with, with Ishvar, with God. He's come to you in that form. So all these things, you know, taking it very seriously and focusing yourself, if you could do 10 mantras with full focus and devotion, you're off to, you're off to the races, you know, a, a good start. And even if you don't get very far with the rest of them, at least you did those 10 mantras. And just as I said, you know, um, Vigyana Bhikshu and other commentators on uh, books like the, um, the Yoga Sutras say, even if you get one tiny molecule of that every day, that's so uh, beneficial that it'll help to bring you to a higher level. Ideally, we want to get to 16, 32, 64 with full concentration and devotion. And 
when you can at least do 16 rounds where you're fully focused and you're actually feeling something that uh, you don't want to stop, you're communing with, with God, then your devotional practice takes off in ways that you can't even imagine. It, sense control is automatically there. Everything comes from the japa. So remember what an investment it is. You know, it's beyond 401k. It's the, uh, you know, this is eternal benefit for us. And we, we, have, we have a human tongue. We have facilities. So just take advantage of it. Well, dear devotees, Thank you for it looks like we've come to the end of our uh, time with uh, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, we do have two minutes, it appears. If anybody has a last reflection or question. Hi, Krishna. I have a question. Hi, yes, Krishna. Please. This is Namrita. Hi, Namrita. Good to see you. Same here, Maharaj. Yes. Um, my question was um, you said about Bhaktivinoda Thakur and you know, these great personalities. When we um, think of them or pray to them, uh, or even personalities that we're inspired by, like Prahlad Maharaj or Kunti Maharani, how do we? How does that connection happen? Are we connecting with them when we're praying to them? Yeah, we definitely are. We're, we're connecting to them by praying to them, by keeping their images and so forth. Because uh, these uh, devotees are, are called tirtas. A tirta means a bridge. It means a bridge from here to the spiritual world. And the main tirta we have to get to Krishna, to get to Krishna Loka, to go beyond the material world is the Vaishnava. There's nothing and no one more powerful than the Vaishnav. That, that is our way that we get there. So if you call out to the, the previous Acharyas, if you think of them and chant to them and, you know, remember how merciful they are, that they're eternal personalities. They will help you in, in amazing ways. So, uh, yes, uh, that's one of the, you know, the main processes is, um, Vaishnav Seva, Vaishnav Sangha. And he who he reasons El who tells that Vaishnavs die for Vaishnavs die to live and living try to spread the holy name around. But they're they're always there for us. And you know, one of the evidences that is accepted by Vyasadeva in the Vedanta Sutra is uh, dreams, you know, mm -hmm. Swapna uh, Praman. And there's ways in which you'll find throughout the Vaishnav scriptures that devotees have all the time have dreams of, uh, you know, devotees coming to them and things like that. Of course, you know, we can have dreams and then there's dreams. <laughs> yeah. But my point is that, the, the you know, these uh, devotees are coming from a different dimension. And, mm. and it's not that just because uh, they left this uh, particular context that we're in now that they're not there to help us. In fact, that's mentioned in the Brihat Bhagavatamrita that... Um, it's that uh, for the devotees, those who have surrendered to Krishna are always surrounded by Vishnu Dudas. Did you know that mm. they're in your house right now? No. I mean, the Vishnu Dudas, this is in the Priya Bhagavatamrita, the, the devotees of the Lord who chant Hare Krishna, surrender to Krishna, they have no other purpose in life. Although, you know, you got to work and you got to hide from the coronavirus. You know, all these, they're all, the Vishnu Dudas are always there uh, protecting us. The devotees wow. have nothing to want. For that and the and the great acharyas definitely they're there thank you Hare thank Krishna. you Hare Krishna. Jai. so um thank you very much everyone for joining us we'll just have a 
a brief kirtan. Namah Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Krishnaya Ule Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nidhamine Namah Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Krishnaya
See everybody really soon. Please stay safe. Be careful. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't go out. Wear a mask. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Not to the armor man, 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 not